Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. Uh, I'm so excited that you take time to just expand your leadership potential and to learn and to grow. And we're seeing uh, such great results from the nature of the podcast and how people are taking those. Many organizations are literally having entire teams listen to the podcast and then they're dissecting them with a Q&A and it's becoming the catalyst for growth for many organizations. So I just want to thank you for going the extra mile to always be a leader that's learning. That is the key to being a lasting leader. And so thank you so much. Uh, Today, I want to uh, look at a story that uh, biblically is one of the most familiar stories you can ever talk about from the Bible, and it's the story of the Good Samaritan. But from that story, I want to just uh, begin by illustrating that uh, all leaders are not the same, that there are different types of leaders, and that there are different ways that people lead. In this story, we're going to see that there were three leaders involved. But of the three leaders involved, even though they were different kind of leaders, only one leader took the initiative to go the extra mile. So uh, let's talk about the three kinds of leaders, and then I'm going to give you some uh, takeaways from this particular uh, biblical story. Uh, The first is, uh, the first individual involved was a priest. And when you look at the job of a priest, what you understand is that he was a positional leader. Uh, They exercised their leadership based on the organizational chart. So in the organizational chart of that day, uh, they were at the top of that chart. There were a few people that were above them, but there weren't many people. They had the stature. They had the position. They had everything that typically would uh, be a part of a leadership title, a leadership journey, but they tended to be positional leaders. Now, this is going to play out in this story because in Luke chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him talking about um, the individual who had been victimized, it says that he passed by on the other side. See, the thing about positional leaders is um, they lead according to that position, and they tend never to really go outside the box. They don't get wider than the position that they have. In fact, uh, where they're most comfortable is this is what I do, and this is how I do it. Now, uh, a positional leader, when faced with a problem that's sort of beyond their bandwidth, uh, they tend to uh, just sort of freeze, and they many times do not interact well or react well. And that's the case in this story. Now, uh, they are motivated by organizational need, which fits the whole template for them. Uh, Their whole position is based on an organizational chart. So what they do is they respond to organizational needs. Now, when this priest went by and he saw this individual who had been stripped, who had been left in the gutter, basically on the side of the road, dying and wounded, uh, he couldn't ascertain the organizational status of this person because he had no clothes on. And in that day, uh, the clothes really did define your position, who you were, 
uh, what you were and what you were possibly in any organization. And so without clothes, he couldn't define the organization. And then he's unconscious, so he couldn't have the conversation to define the organization. And uh, because of those two things, it was not organizationally efficient for him to get involved. And that's pretty well true of positional leaders. They tend to look at the organizational need. They are driven by organizational need. And if they don't see anything that plays back to the organization, they think in their mind, this isn't worth my time. And so this particular leader is going to pass by on the other side. But that's going to set up the next leader, and that is the Levite. And it says, when the Levite arrived at the place, he came and he looked, and he passed by on the other side. Now, the Levite's a little bit different. He is a technical leader, and so his skill is technical by nature. In the temple of that day, he did very specific jobs, and those jobs were very, very specific as to what a Levite would do and what a Levite would not do. In fact, in the Old Testament, the requirements of a Levite, the Levite responsibilities are pretty meticulous, and that speaks of a technical leader. A technical leader... Uh, They're pretty meticulous in what they do and how they do. And so one of the things that a Levite would have known is they would have known that the priest who was higher in the organization than them was already on the road before them. So the Levite knew that the priest had passed them by. So that becomes a symbol to them. And now the Levites got to ask the technical questions. And the technical question is this, uh, is this a part of my job? And for the Levite, it was very, very simple. Uh, This is not my job. This isn't what I do. This isn't how I do it. Uh, This isn't what I do in any way. And as a result of that, the Levite's going to pass by. And so the positional leader looks at things based on organizational uh, needs. Uh, The Levite looks at things uh, based on this is their job. And so you see these two leaders just reacting to their leadership culture, the organization and specific job requirements. But then there's going to come an individual who's a Samaritan. And this is sort of an out-of-the-box moment, but it says a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came there, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Now, the Samaritan is going to become the transformational leader. And the transformational leader is a little bit different. It's going to start because they're going to have a concern. People who transform uh, life, organizations, job titles, people like that, they have something on the inside of them. Uh, It's like Nehemiah in the Old Testament that when he got the letter about how things were in Jerusalem, it says he wept. He had something inside him that said, this isn't right. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't how it's supposed to play out. And so as a result of that, uh, there was just this idea here of this guy looked and he was concerned. Not only did he have concern, but he was compassionate. And and so concern is sort of, uh, well, yeah, this is a problem, but compassion, it's different. This is a problem I'm going to get involved with. 
And at this time, it goes from concern, compassion to commitment. I'm going to do what's necessary for this to begin to change. And so you have at play three leaders, a positional leader, the priest, a technical leader, the Levite, and then a transformational leader. The positional leader views everything according to the organization. Uh, The technical leader uh, views everything according to their specific job, but a transformational leader, they are most motivated by concern and compassion and commitment. And this leader is going to say, uh, you know, it's not, should I help, but how will I help? And so that's going to play out in this story. And so this is an individual who's going to help everyone that he can, whenever he can, however he can. Now, those are the three types of leaders. And let me just give you uh, some bullet points from this particular uh, lesson. Number one is this. If we're going to learn anything from this lesson, we learn this. Leaders can't be good at their job and bad at people. See, the priest was good at his organization. The Levite was good at his job. The Samaritan was good at people. And if you're going to be a high effective leader, you can't be just good at your job and be bad at people. And so he's looking there, and as he looks there, he makes the decision, hey, uh, this may not be my job, it may not help my organization, but I am not going to be a leader that's good at organization and good at a job and bad at people. And so you see that. Uh, Number two, uh, leaders realize that life seldom goes according to their script. Uh, Every leader has a plan. That's the nature of leaders. They get up in the morning. They have an idea of what they're going to do. They have an idea of why they're going to do it. They have an idea. They have a schedule in mind. They have a template that they're going to use. But it says in here, it says that by chance. And what leaders know is that things are going to happen. They're not going to fit the schedule. They're not going to fit the template. They're not going to fit uh, how you might want to regulate that particular day, but they're going to happen. And when they happen, you get to lead. And so leaders just realize uh, that life seldom goes according to the script, that, that there are going to be things that are going to happen. And when they happen, you just react, you respond to them, you begin to uh, react to them. Um, Number three, uh, leaders are always on the clock. They're always on the clock. Now, see, for the priest, he's not in the temple, so he's off the clock. The Levite, he's not at his job, he's off the clock. The Samaritan, he's not at his job, but he's on the clock. Leaders are always on the clock. See, leadership isn't like baseball where the coach goes out there and he replaces a pitcher, and when he replaces the pitcher, uh, you get to warm up before you go in. The simple truth of the matter is, is you don't know when you're going to be called into the game, but you know you will be in the game, and therefore you have to stay warm. And if it takes you forever to warm up to lead, you're probably not going to lead on a high and efficient level. Uh, You may lead in a system, but you're not going to lead on a high level because leaders just know this. They're always on the clock, and even though they may have 
plan certain things, they're there. We know the story of Jesus that when John the Baptist was beheaded, it said that he went apart from the people, but it said the people followed them him. And when they followed him, here's what happened. They looked at him and he looked at them and he was moved with compassion. Even though he wanted to be off the clock, he knew that there's a time when a leader just says, hey, the people are here. This is what I've got to do. Um, Another principle four is that leaders have influence which others follow. And John Maxwell always uh, makes makes this statement, and he says, uh, if you're taking a walk and no one's following, then you're not a leader. And what we also know is this, is that people follow leaders, whether leaders know they're following them or not. And in this case, the Levite knew just by custom and culture that the priest had preceded him. And because of that, he was following his example. So when he saw this man that was injured and he knew that the priest had walked by, it became the justification for him to walk by. And so leaders have influence because that's what leadership is. Leadership is influence. That's what Oswald Sanders uh, stated in the 1950s, and leadership has always been that. And we influence knowingly, but we also influence unknowingly. Uh, The priest probably didn't know the Levite was following him, but he influenced him. Another thing is, is that leaders see differently than others do. When the priest looked down there and saw this man, and the Levite looked down there and saw this man, the priest saw someone who wasn't a part of his organization. The Levite saw something that wasn't his job. The Samaritan saw differently. The first two saw a problem. The Samaritan saw a person. And so leaders just see differently. And that's the nature. When you put a leader in the room, they're going to see things that no one else sees, and they're going to see in ways that no one else sees. They're going to see longer than other people see. They're just going to see differently. Now, we also know that number six, leaders do what others do not do. So where the others pass by, uh, the Samaritan's going to get involved. He's going to get his hands dirty. He's going to uh, look. He's going to sit there and say, man, I've got to do something right there. And so uh, leaders have a bias for action. They tend to get involved. Like we talked about before, Nehemiah, who was the cup holder of the king, went to the king and asked him if he could go to Jerusalem. He wasn't just going to be uh, concerned about a problem. He was committed to resolve the problem. And that's what leaders do. Leaders do what others do not do. And then also we see uh, leaders help those who will never help them. See, in our society, there's a principle called networking, and networking goes like this. I want to help people because that person may help me, but I'm not going to help people who may not ever be able to help me. We have no indication in this story that this individual is ever going to be able to help the Samaritan. And the higher you go in leadership, the more you will help people who will never be able to help you. The more you're going to invest your life in people that you're never going to see the full return of the investment where you are going to sow, but you're not going to reap. And I know that we say, you know, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. But it doesn't say you're always going to reap exactly where you sowed. 
Sometimes God's going to bring people into your life and you're going to get benefits because you help people who could never help you. But here's what I know about leaders. Uh, Leaders help people knowing that they may never help them. And here's what a leader knows. They don't keep the score. They know God keeps score. And so what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 is it says, do not, God will not forget his righteous labor of love. Uh, number eight, leaders always leave people better off. When a leader is engaged, it's going to make other people better off better off by the wisdom they share, the actions they produce, by the communication uh, that they're committed to, they're going to leave people better off. And that's what's going to happen with the Samaritan in this individual. This individual is going to be better off because of what the Samaritan is going to do. The next principle is this, uh, leaders lead with their heart. See, organizational leaders, they lead with a manual. Technical leaders, they lead with a job. But transformational leaders, they lead with their heart. So the way they're going to lead is they're going to lead with their heart. And as they lead with their heart, their heart's going to be the basis for everything that they do. They are going to lead from the inside out. That is the nature of those leaders. So let me give you the principles we covered right now. Leaders can't be good at their job and bad at people. Leaders realize life seldom goes according to script. Leaders are always on the clock. Leaders have influence which others follow. Leaders see differently than others do. Leaders do what others do not do. Leaders help those who will never help them. Leaders leave others better off, and leaders leave with their heart. Now, uh, number 10, leaders stabilize the situation. See, a lot of times in leadership, your first job is just to stop whatever's from getting worse. And what does it say? He went to him and he bandaged him. He just stabilized the situation. It's the number one rule of triage. When you triage somebody, you take and you just want to stabilize. You want to buy time. You want to stop the circumstances from getting worse. And so in his case, he he just made sure that the wounds were bandaged, that this individual was not in danger of infection at that particular time. He just stabilized the situation. And when a leader walks into any room, they should create stability. They should make that place, no matter how rocky, no matter how much turmoil there is, they should create stability. The next thing we see is the next day he departed and he took, and he took him to the innkeeper and he gave him two denarii. Uh, leadership is never cheap. If you think you're going to lead and it's not going to cost you something, leadership always costs you something. And leaders have the ability to pay prices that others will not pay and that others won't pay. And so in life, a leader knows that leadership isn't isn't cheap. To be a high-capacity leader, you're going to spend time to learn leadership. You are going to utilize your talent in leadership. 
and you will invest a whole lot of treasure. That's one of the reasons that at the end of the broadcast, we'll mention roundtables and we'll mention the breaking the 200 barrier and the breaking the 500 barrier is because if you're going to be a leader, you don't get to sit at home. You get to spend some time. You get to spend some effort. You get to spend at times money and you get to go places and do things so that you become a better leader. Leadership is never going to be cheap. It will cost you. If leadership is affordable, then you're leading something that doesn't matter. So if leadership isn't costing you something, then what you're leading just doesn't really matter in life. Uh, Leaders also always connect to a process. They always connect to a process. And what was going to happen here was he was going to connect them to the innkeeper. And that's going to be the process. And he's going to give them over to the innkeeper. And when he gives them over to the innkeeper, uh, it's going to, with a commitment that this individual is going to be taken care of and that any cost or expense would be paid by the Samaritan. And then leaders don't have to do everything themselves. See, as a leader, it's my job to set up the process. It's not my job necessarily to be the one who implements every element of the process. In this case, he was there for the immediate emergency to bandage the wounds, to get him engaged in the process, to get him to the innkeeper so that the innkeeper could care and that he was then going to come back and keep an eye on progress. The next thing from this story, we learned that leaders come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all shapes and sizes. We see the priest and he was a recognized leader. This is somebody that was known as a leader. The Levite, this was a technician. He was known to be good at what he does. The Samaritan, he's not supposed to be the leader. But see, that's the thing about leaders. Leaders don't fit the packaging people want to put them in. Sometimes they don't fit educationally. Sometimes they don't fit socially. Sometimes they don't fit with the culture. Sometimes they don't fit. And you just name what it is. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes. So when we sit there and we say, well, a leader's this, you're immediately going to run across someone who's doing a great job over here and they're leading in an entirely different way with a different mechanism, with different thoughts. They're leading differently. And then... Leaders challenge your comfort zone. This was a story that Jesus was telling. And it was a response to a question about who your neighbor is. And because Israel didn't want to be nice to everyone, they had come up with all these barriers why certain people weren't their neighbors. But he's asking a question. Which of these three leaders really was a good neighbor? And of course, the answer is going to be the Samaritan, but that's sort of the tilt moment for uh, a Jewish person because they didn't like the Samaritans. And in the middle of that, he, it says, he who showed mercy on him. See, showing mercy to people that you don't know, that you don't have to help. Showing mercy where you go beyond the obstacles and say, I don't have to do this. And so it's going to challenge the comfort zone. 
And if you're leading and your comfort zone isn't being uh, pushed and tugged at, then you probably are not taking that journey for God. Because I don't care if you've led one year or you've led 40 years, you're always confronted by the fact that God challenges our comfort zone. And then leaders challenge people to be better. When a leader's on the team, they challenge people to be better. It's a famous story of, um, of Magic Johnson. He was the point guard for years for um, the NBA Lakers. But he talks about in high school where he had this terrific game where he literally scored 50 points. His team won. But he was walking out to the car. People didn't know it, but he was walking behind some parents, and the parents were talking. And the parents were saying, why does he have to take all the shots? Why does he have to be the one who's getting all the attention? Why can't he? And Magic heard that, and it changed the way he played the game. Instead of taking all the shots, he decided to become the best, most efficient passer to give everyone else good shots. Now, he is still a great shooter, but he was going to create an environment for other people to be better. And that's what leaders do. They make life better. They make people better. I just wanted to share this story because to me, it's just laid with so many thoughts about leadership. And I pray today that maybe one of these thoughts will be a highlight to you and maybe you can wrap your arms around it. Uh, Maybe there's a series of these thoughts that can challenge your comfort zone. But the nature of leadership is very, very simple. Leaders don't come in one size and one shape. And whenever you say, hey, only these kind of people can lead, God's going to do something with someone else. So I want to thank you for your leadership journey. I want to thank you for making life better, for making people better, for making the kingdom of God better, for making heaven bigger. Because of you, life is just impactful. And I want to thank you. Hey, I do want to mention that uh, next week I'll be in Albuquerque. And when I'm in Albuquerque, we'll be doing a roundtable. And we've got a great group. And by chance, you're in the Albuquerque area. Come and see us. And uh, then I will be in Rancho Cucamonga, uh, California. And that's going to be a great meeting. And then after that, I will be in Atlanta. All of these uh, locations and sites are on Gerald Brooks Ministries. Uh, .com, and you can see all the resources, all the places. You can sign up and you can get involved. And then uh, towards the middle of June, we will be doing the Breaking the 200 Barrier. And Breaking the 200 Barrier is a very strategic uh, number because to break the 200 Barrier, there's some very specific skills that the pastor has to develop. And uh, if you're in an organization where that may be a barrier you're up against, uh, why don't you go to Gerald Brooks Ministries and sign up for that? I think that'll be a great uh, opportunity for you. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Do me a favor and let someone else know about the podcast. You guys are amazing. Thank you for making so many people's lives better. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com.